stay home and stay sane and listen to the isolation booth. Cheers. And that was awesome. Kind of um, celebrating pride. Yes, that's right. Welcome to the Isolation Book. My name's Anna. My name is Danai. So yeah, this episode we decided that we wanted to embrace our gay side, I guess. <laughs> the side that actually brought us together. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Um, yeah, so essentially my guest today is Anna. And my guest is Danai. Yay! Yay! Um, so let's start with very easy going questions. Do you want to take this to the bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure listeners are ready for that. Um, yeah. No, just kidding. Uh, no, I was. I mean, this is the, some of the questions that I'm going to be asking, but potentially there's things that I already know. But I mean, one of the things I wanted to do with this episode is approach perhaps uh, what some people might have experienced and maybe how we would have liked to go different or what we would like to still do different ourselves right now. And maybe my first question would be, is like, when did you come out? Oof. Actually, no. First, when did you know that you fancied not only guys, but women as well? Um. <laughs> Look, I know you don't have to say it was me. <laughs> I know that I wasn't your first love at uh, your love at first sight. So don't worry about it. I know that there's other women before me. <laughs> you don't have to pretend that I've been the only one. <laughs> no, I think that's not that. That's not my issue about my hesitation. I think it's just kind of hard to pinpoint um, because I did come out very late in life. Um, it makes me sound late. so old. I don't think it's late. I think that just in the end, you come out when you're ready. Yeah, I mean, I think I was ready. Way earlier, just for various reasons, didn't really ready, happen. But, but see, but I think if you were ready, you would have come out because nature mm. finds a way. <laughs> <laughs> no, so to to go back to your original question, I think, I mean, even from a young age, I suppose there might have been something there, but that I I didn't have the knowledge to to understand that that's what that's it, what, what it was. Right. Um, so I mean, certainly as a teenager, yes. I mean, then I did sort of realize that I might also like like women at that point. I guess I thought I liked men and women, mm -hmm. but um, I definitely had some some crushes then. Yeah, but then for some reason I didn't really um, explore that that much in my twenties um, because it was just easier to be with guys because that was the the norm. Do right. Think, do you think it happened because it kind of guys always jump the gun? I think like before you even decided to potentially make a move on a woman, did you fancy it? A guy was already there at the door yeah. asking you out. Yeah, it's your fault, guys. It's all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I did very much jump from one relationship to the next, right. um, so I didn't really have that much freedom to explore. Yeah, maybe um, time to sit down and, and question of like, oh, so do I like her more than than just like her or do I actually fancy this person kind of thing? Yeah, no, I think, I mean, it was very clear to me during my 20s, but I 
Yeah, I sort of, I mean, it's like sort of semi came out to friends as well, but it just somehow there was never that final push to just yeah. I mean, go for it entirely. Yeah. And then, and then there was the next man lined up already, and it just. <laughs> Oh my god! No, you should not have seen like the cute that. Guys. Not like that. But he you made know. it all the way from uh, Sussex University up to the uh, <laughs> Brighton train station. I know. I mean, there was. Let's face it. There was a reason why I chose Sussex University in Brighton. You know yeah, that you did your research well as well. <laughs> I didn't know. Like I was already in England for a few years, and then later on, I was like Brighton. You know the gate, and I was like, what? Yeah. And then I just went over there on a weekend. Yeah, so obviously I had that very much going on at my doorstep. Yeah, I think that's the one thing I find surprising, that being in such an embracing of gay culture or LGBTQ community town, you didn't feel the freedom. Um, It's because I was always with someone. Yeah. The the courses of being pretty. (laughs) Um, okay. What about you? Uh, when did I know? I knew in kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> I was, yeah, I, I just took fancy one of my uh, colleagues at kindergarten. I don't even remember her name. I just remember that I really <laughs> like her. And, uh, and it still happens that when I really like someone and when, you know, when I don't actually know them, that I just fancy them, I get super nervous. Um, so that happened with her, like... Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a symptom that I still present when I don't know someone and I really fancy them. I just get really clumsy, nervous kind of thing. But how did you know that that was more than just being maybe a bit shy or more than just oh I want to be her friend? I don't know. I think very instinctively I felt that it was a different fascination or attraction than to other people. And did you know what to do with that? No. No, 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 that for sure I didn't. Well, I knew it was bad. That's the problem. Like, if anything, I think that's how I knew that it was different because I had that feeling that it was something that I shouldn't do. So that's how I knew. Well, it's not a problem if I fancy a boy that way, but if I do fancy a girl that way, it's bad. So I did have that um, notion of, according to society in Mexico... that was sort of ingrained. Yeah, that was very much ingrained, that... Oh, you know, it's cute and nice for girls and boys to like each other that way at such a young age. But no, girls, that's, that's something different that shouldn't be. Yeah. But then when you were a teenager, you did have that confidence to... Yeah, I think, you know, that confidence came with time. Um, all my life I knew I fancy girls, but it was a way in which Mexican society in particular didn't didn't like me liking girls. But the confidence of then just embracing it, it probably didn't come until I was a teenager. And I'm and I'm almost going for late teens. So definitely after sixteen, maybe even going all the way up to twenty. Because it was not until T V started to normalize the whole being a lesbian or being gay. I'm not even going to try to say that they normalize being transgender or queer because Mm. that's actually way more recent. That then I felt like, oh, okay, so it is fine. It's not me who has a problem, it's society that needs to move forward. Yeah. Just knowing that there was more people out there potentially thinking the same that I was thinking and going through the same, kind of like, it definitely eased me to be a little bit more open about it. Yeah, and then obviously then you start having friends and all of that for me. 
I was lucky that my best friend that essentially I grew up with, she's gay as well. Yeah, I think I did struggle a little bit more, even though eventually I was able to embrace it. I think there was a time where I definitely struggled again before TV allowed me to see more people like me. Um, where I guess like a lot of people, especially our generation or older, uh, even show some homophobia before they come out. Yeah, And I did have that phase of like, ooh, lesbians? No, is that an option? Oh, that's, that doesn't sound quite good. And then I'm like... Actually, I'm super wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get any better. <laughs> um, yeah, so it went kind of more or less like that internally and as my own experience, like interaction with other people then there's plenty to talk about in, you know, different yeah. different ways. Yeah, but I think what we can see from that is, is so key. It seems like such a simple thing, but it is so key to have that environment, to have those, like, role models in a sense those those people just having people out there who are very open and proud and you know that just does the trick really it just gives you that little piece of peace of mind that is like oh okay i'm not alone like it's just awful when you feel like there's just something wrong with you and there's nothing around you that we don't understand it and in fact they don't even want to talk about it yeah so it's interesting because I don't think I ever thought anything was wrong with me. I did have but that feeling. I just, I did keep it just very, very private. It was just my, like, almost like my little secret, <laughs> you know, in a very strange way that I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me that I maybe at some point just come out with it yeah. and that would actually make my life so much better and easier Easy. and yeah. just, well, yeah, and just allow me to really fully be me. But I think, yeah, it was definitely, I mean, lack of confidence, but also perhaps, although of course there are, there were some gay people around, I think it wasn't, it wasn't really such a thing. I didn't really have anyone close by to show me that. And I didn't watch a lot of TV, so I didn't get it from like just general like culture. See, you need to watch more TV. (laughs) That's the answer. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, believe it or not, I mean, it didn't help me as in, you know, actually Mexico is a very close-minded, macho culture. Uh, I think the fact that I was consuming content from other countries that were perhaps a little bit more progressive that way, it helped me um, to be like, oh, okay, so it's it's just the place I am in, it's not me. Mm. Uh, And if anything, actually, this is very much how I... It just it made me hungry for like I need to go out there. This is this is the people that are thinking what I'm thinking here in this, you know, not very progressive society. So I yeah. I gotta get out. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. So then talking about getting out, how did you actually come out? <laughs> um, uh, that didn't go very well. So I guess it depends of who we're talking about. I think with some of my friends. Okay, this is such a long story though. I started back in the day that I guess is the equivalent of uh, online dating now, but at the time I started exchanging written letters with a woman uh, from another part of the country in Mexico. So there was a magazine, music magazine that I, I used to collect. And in that magazine, there was a section where people would send their letters talking about music or whatever. And uh, and yeah, they'll just get printed. They'll select the best ones and they'll get printed. 
So I read a letter that she wrote to the magazine. Um, and then I think she, I can't even remember whether she had a address to forward any letters, whatever. The point is I somehow I got her contact details and we ended up exchanging letters. Eventually she went to the city. We ended up dating, well, yeah, dating of like supposedly together for almost three years. Um, so once she went to the city and we ended up hanging out for like a whole week straight, by the time I went back to where I was uh, doing my A-levels, all my friends were like, where, where have you been for like a whole fucking week? Like you just kind of disappeared. <laughs> like, and, uh, and then I just kind of, that's how I came out to my friends. Just okay. said, oh, well, so this woman that I've been exchanging letters, blah, blah, blah. Now she's down here. We're officially together, blah, 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 whatever. Um, but it was, yeah, so with my friends was just because I was having that experience and I wanted to share it, so I just told them about it. Once we broke up, I, I then uh, got together with someone else at school. And was that the other person at school, was she out? Is that how you... Uh, well, no, she wasn't out either, really. So with her, essentially my second girlfriend, so I met her through someone in my classroom, so she wasn't even my friend. And admittedly, originally, I had a crush on this other person in my classroom, another woman, for change. <laughs> <laughs> Once I decided, I, I just never stopped, really. <laughs> um, so I had a crush on her, so then she introduced me to her friends, and then I was like kind of hanging out with them. Uh, I quite rapidly kind of grew out of my crush on her, and... And then me and this uh, girl started to hang out a little bit more. And then we realized we liked the same sort of music. And we would just spend like a lot of time just hanging out, uh, whether it was with other people or just the two of us. So it was more friendship that then developed into more. At the time, I was already out. So I didn't keep it a secret. Okay. So I think that facilitated the fact yeah. that then I had the freedom of flirt. And if I had a response, yes. then you can then make a move. Yes. And again, this is the importance of actually being out because how else are you actually going to meet people? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. If no one knows that that's what you're interested I mean, in. It's always online uh, way, but especially at the time wasn't particularly safe. Sure. So, no, I think the point I was trying to make is, which is the key point that I didn't understand in my 20s, I think, was that, you got to be out for that simple reason that if no one knows that that's well, what you're just, after, it doesn't, it doesn't really work. <laughs> well, it doesn't help. It does not that it doesn't work. It just makes your your experience a lot uh, slower, I guess. Mm. Um, no, I think it depends how much you hide it. If you're actually uh, withholding it even from yourself that you don't want to admit it, of course, it does. That's just going to be an awful way to carry on your shoulders because you not only have to be keep it from everyone else, but overall from yourself. Um, but if you're just keeping it because maybe your family or something, then you tend to just maybe look for a way to be sneaky and True. find your double life essentially. Yeah, but so, yeah, but that's again that's a big weight to carry on yeah. your shoulders. Um, um, so yeah, the experience that then I had coming out to my family was quite different. Um, do you want to talk about your experience first? Because I feel like I've been talking a lot about myself and then we come back to my experience of coming out to my family. So obviously as every person in the LGBTQI plus community will know, there is no one and only coming out story. Coming out <laughs> is a process. You have to come out again and again and again yeah, and again. Yeah, right? 
probably all your life long. I guess the big one is coming out to your family, I suppose. Especially immediate immediate relatives. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I think a lot of my friends sort <laughs> of knew already. The rest can just get, can just get it in the family gazette. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I just mentioned that I had a girlfriend. Right. Just in a just just like that, just dropped it in that I'd met someone, and then I just said she used the she pronoun, and, and they were that, like, oh, you haven't learned English. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't. Mention <laughs> You yeah, forget, you're forgetting your German. <laughs> yeah, and I was very much accused of that not being the right way to do it, which right. to this day I will I will object to because I don't think there is a right or a wrong way. Yeah, and why should it have? In my head, it wasn't such a big deal yeah. because it should not be a big deal. Um, so I was just like, well, it's just it's a person, and this person have now happens to be a woman. Um, so that's how that went down. Not great. I think it was a bit of a shocker. For for your family. Yeah. Right. Um, unexpectedly. So, so things were a bit wobbly for a while, right. unfortunately. And in part, I suppose, I also understand that it's because perhaps they felt a need to understand why I was suddenly in my early 30s I think maybe I was exactly 30 coming out with this you know mm. quite an older age like I guess for them it was like where is this coming from and I didn't really explain but at the time I didn't feel like I needed to explain myself sure. and I, I would still stand by that but I do sure. recognize that it might have helped to be more open about my emotions about it um I think you know listening to it from the, have you finished by the way yeah go on yeah just listening to it from the outside, I guess I see how, I don't know how soon after you had that girlfriend you told them, but I would have thought either way you would have that time to be like, I'm confident this is what I like, this is what I want. And so I'm just going to say it to everyone else. It was a few months in, yeah. Um, so you had that adaptation sort of time, I guess. Uh, whereas, I guess for your parents, was coming literally out of nowhere. Last time yeah. they, they heard from you was like, I broke up with the boyfriend. Next time they hear from you, it's like, now I have a girlfriend. Yeah. So they're like, what? <laughs> so I, I'm, I agree that they they shouldn't decide whether that's right or wrong to come out. Like that you you get to decide the way you come out, not them. But I guess the misunderstanding really falls into, they just felt that you were just giving them the information without um, explaining where it's coming from. Yeah. I guess it's fair for them to want it. Is maybe just not the right way to ask for it. No, no. I and again, I think by now I do see the other side that maybe you, as a parent, you feel you know your child, and then it's a bit of a kind of bombshell that you might not know your child as well as you thought you did. But yeah, sure. I guess they all. Every parent has a preconception of what their kids are like and what they want mm. but I, th- I think I, th- it's, I don't think it's a secret that really there's so 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 much that parents don't know about their kids <laughs> yeah, absolutely um yeah and I still yeah I still felt I suppose a little bit judged for my choices and that element 
isn't of it is not okay. I think I just went into it with the expectation of having very liberal, progressive parents that wouldn't have an issue with it. Um and you know, and as it goes to show now they don't I don't think they actually have an issue with it and they are very supportive because they and love me. Accepting of it. Well, <laughs> funny you say that. Funny you say that. But I, I guess there was another major element to it that they had some misgivings about that particular first girlfriend. I mean, the and first, unfortunately, <laughs> the first is never the one that gets the best reviews. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, they're right. And I hate it when they're right. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's kind of funny, though, that you were essentially... You're faulting, your parents are faulting you because they have preconceptions of the sort of child you were. And you're faulting them because you had preconceptions that they were more progressive parents. Yeah. Um, so I think it was just nothing but a miscommunication. Uh, as you say in your, yourself now, clearly they don't have issues with it. It was just... Um, just mm. Mm. <laughs> there, okay. there were definitely some 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 issues you know, do they still have them though no, no. again they was the, the, those issues were particular to that first girlfriend uh, but not just no no so oh. this is what i was getting at i don't initially i don't think the issues were just particular to that person but there were also some things said that were particular to me having now suddenly chosen <laughs> to be with a woman and the consequences of that and have I really thought it through? And that, again, that is the element that is yeah. not okay. <laughs> sure. But then again, you know, I think... I guess, unfortunately, part of our task as part of the community is educating other people unfortunately so. with it. You know, this is, again, I don't, I don't want to create a massive correlation to it because it's, it's a slightly different... But this is what I mean with, um, with one of the things that unfortunately we've been having to do uh, as white society is educate ourselves about uh, our black community. So it's, it's kind of similar. Maybe we need to start demanding for community to educate themselves about other uh, sexual orientations and genders rather than for us to explain them every time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, I can go into coming out, my experience coming out to my family, but before that, do you want to top up? Go on. <laughs> it is pride after all. It is pride after all. Uh, do you want to describe our drinks to our listeners? Oh, we are drinking a Montelobo, which is a smoky mezcal from Mexico. That's right. Obviously. Um, See the advantages of, of dating a Mexican. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, it's it's quite particular <laughs> because it is it has that smoky element to it, and it's quite oily. It's fairly fairly strong, fairly um, flavorsome all by itself. So I wouldn't recommend it for any sort of cocktail mixing. It's no, something so that you sip by itself if if you have the palate for it. Yes, if you like it, definitely just have it neat. We've got a few ice cubes in here. And because Danae is obsessed with cherries, yeah, we've I also like, shoved some cherries in there because we need to eat them, otherwise they're going off. Well, they're cherries <laughs> that I did uh, soaked in rum for uh, two weeks now, I think. 
Yeah. I'm not sure that flavor is coming through. I totally feel the cherry. Okay, I haven't actually eaten a cherry yet. No, but no, I'm no, not but sure I, the rum is coming through. Not the rum, but the cherry. And I'm quite glad because I'm not sure that would really work. The the smoky mezcal with, with some spiced rum is maybe a bit odd. It's working for me. I mean, it's easing me into this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> just on time, just when I'm about to talk about my experience coming out to my family. Mm. Um, that That wasn't even planned. It was in the one of the most ridiculous ways I could potentially come out. Uh, obviously, they already had their uh, speculations formed, uh, mostly because I was dating this woman long distance. So the phone bills at that time were like <laughs> off the roof. And, you know, I give them that. I give them the fact that I was uh, making them spend so much money on phone bills. So that bit was difficult to hide. I um, I came back from from school. I was carrying a painting that someone else didn't want to take home, so I took it home. And then my dad just started having half an argument with me of like, "Why are you coming back this late? What is that? Like, who gave it to you? Why did they give it to you?" And then out of nowhere, he just threw at me like, "Oh, you a lesbian?" And then I was just not having it, so I was like, "Yes, I am a lesbian." Well, I think I said, "No, I'm bisexual," which I mean, no <laughs> but- way. Uh, do mo- is this true? But do most people go through the bisexual phase? I mean, no, I no, certainly no. did. I, I no. The only reason why I ever said that was because I thought that was even be gonna work with at some sort of consolation to my parents. Mm. But yeah, that I knew I didn't like guys. I, I, I mean, I did like guys, and I, there was one guy in particular that I totally actually did fall in love with. But no, um, I didn't. I think once I realized that I had the hearts for women. Um, never really consider it again. Like, fair enough, I can tell if a guy is good looking and appreciate or whatever, but I don't think I feel that attraction. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think I was just saying that just because I thought that'll make it easier for them, not mm. for me. True. Yeah, and then we got into an argument. My mom got involved. She started crying. I started crying out of anger. My sister came in. She kind of got updated with what just happened and started packing my stuff. Uh, saying that I was going to leave the house. Funnily enough, obviously, the person I was going to go to was my best friend, right, who is gay as well, and my sister kind of assumed that then maybe she was going to be my girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she was like, so who are you going to go with, with, you know, your friend? And I was like, well, yeah, but it's not because of that. It's because she's my fucking friend. Like, she's my best friend. Of course I'm going to go there. Uh, I didn't actually leave. Uh, my brother then came in, again, got updated with what was going on. And as usual, being that brother in particular, he um, he came in, calmed calm things down. He convinced me to stay at least for a bit to see how things pan out. And if, if I wanted to leave later, he would help me to leave. Yeah, so that happened. And to be honest, for years after that, it was ne- never spoken about again. So it just became a non It, it, it becomes a known fact that we don't talk about. Mm-hmm. Again, somewhere in between 18, 20 when that happened. And then I think I essentially didn't really face them with the like, okay, this is it. This is the moment where I stopped having a double life for your benefit. Um, is when I went back. Actually, I came to England. I fell in love here. I wanted to go back to Mexico just to kind of sort my paper so that I could come back to England with this person in particular. And it was only then. So that was already 2006, seven. By the time I went back. Uh, so you're talking of like six weeks of ignoring the fact that your child 
has actually come out to you. Yeah. And it was not until I put that condition of like, look, guys, you either take me in with whoever I bring in into the house uh, or just, you know, I'm not even going to make an effort. Like, I just can't be bothered. Like, I'm not going to live a double life for your benefit. Yeah. Uh, and then that was it. Like, I mean, my mom, I think, was the one that struggled the most. My dad, I think he he accepted it. Um, he even helped me at some point when I wanted to formalize that uh, relationship. He was open enough to go and find out what which sort of papers I needed and the paperwork that I needed to go through in order to to come to England as a actual partner of a another woman. So yeah, I think it was my mom the one that struggled the most uh, again. This comes more from the religious point of view. She does believe in certain rules that religion, especially Catholics, uh, preach about. Mm. Um, so it's again just more like the upbringing and the stuff that's just been kind of ingrained in her. Even exactly. Practicing. Um, yeah. But I think she's a she's totally. You know, eventually she came around and um, apologized to me for having taken so long to accept it and acknowledge it and embrace it. Uh, still, there's a lot of room for improvement with my family, um, plenty. Uh, but again, that's a lot to do with the culture that they're in. I know that in a way, I think it makes it easier for them to say that they accept it because I'm not really living in Mexico. Having said that, they were very welcoming when I came along. Sure. They were perfectly lovely and very much took me in. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm not saying that they refuse entry or anything like that but you know again I do find myself still having a lot of considerations because I know it's difficult for them for example I mean not that we ever do it but like I'm pretty sure my brothers do not hesitate to kiss their girlfriends in front of my parents or even grab them grab their hands or hug them or become like showing you're showing affection for your partner Um, whereas I more than once I'm like I needed to consider whether they were watching or not and how would it make them feel if yeah. I were to do it. Um, of course, I've been trying to do my homework like uh, whenever they, we meet people and if my family are there and whoever, if it's someone that really doesn't know me and they're like, oh, so what are you doing in England? Do you have a boyfriend? Blah, blah, blah. Straight away and then I slap them with the answer like, no, I have a girlfriend. Or, oh, I don't like guys. Just, yeah, it's partly mostly for my family so that they don't think that I'm going to, just dodge the the question of like no I don't have a boyfriend yeah like even if that might make them uncomfortable yeah. or put them in an awkward situation I got to kind of toughen up and yeah deal with that and stand exactly by your side exactly that. and that's just the way that's the way I approach now is like I'm not gonna make it as easier for them because I'm already making it incredibly easy by not living right next to them yeah so yeah. when I'm there I'm not gonna just make it that little bit easier for them like I don't know and it is quite sad but it just sounds to me like you basically got to train them <laughs> yeah no I, but you are training them but that's what I mean I think unfortunately these apparently differences we have which are in differences we need to educate people about why they're not differences and unfortunately we are the ones that have to lay yeah. that ground where people can learn upon yeah um so yeah, that's coming out. Mm. Have you had, because like we just established, obviously coming out is not a one-time thing and then it's mm. done. <laughs> but 
But um, have you had any other situations where you've had to come out? It's gone well or maybe not so well or... Um, what about maybe in work situations or I think in, in work situations uh, I think at the be- especially at the beginning of my time in England I was kind of working with my partner at the time so that kind of made it easier I didn't really think about it you know I was sleeping with the manager and I was the assistant manager so that was fine <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> um, so yeah it, it didn't really matter. Later on, I went into the healthcare sector, and that kind of made it a little bit trickier, I guess, because I was working with a lot of people. It was really weird. So the, the way I was working as a carer was working with patients for like two weeks slots. So I'll be with them for two weeks, and I'll go somewhere else with someone, some other patient, and then kind of rotate with, with the same four or five patients kind of thing. Um, so I think for a while it made it easier to kind of just not even talk about it. Like, um, and admittedly, a lot of them they weren't particularly open-minded people. Um, in fact, and I think I mentioned it before in private conversations with you, is like the healthcare sector is incredibly misogynistic, which doesn't really help. No. Um, you know, when a person who you're looking after or helping with um, intimate care is kind of throwing at you some misogynistic jokes that you're supposed to take as a compliment mm. because of I just don't find it attractive as a person, but the gender that I actually really don't find attractive. So it's like, uh, you're kind of attacking me on two different ends here. So yeah, that made it a bit difficult. Um, eventually, once I settled with one or one patient for like almost eight years, that became slightly easier. Like I, th- I don't think I ever came out as such. I think it was just implied and understood that I like uh, women, and it was never really questioned. Yeah, um, I think I guess there is something to be said for presenting in a certain way because obviously I couldn't look any gayer. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like honestly, actually. I did actually with Claire, our very first guest, um, I met her at a training session because she was doing the same as I was doing at the time, caring. And uh, I met her at a training session. I think afterwards, I was, I think later, when, once we became friends, I was asking her, like, do I look like a gay person at the beginning? And she was like, no, to be honest, I didn't think about it. But once you told me, oh, I have a girlfriend, I was like, oh, of course, now it makes that complete sense. sense. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I I thought that I had, you know, the complete looks of a lesbian, but apparently, unless you live in that world, yeah, it's I not as obvious. I was gonna say that. I think that is true. That unless you live in that world, you might not be as aware of it. But but also, what I was trying to get at is, I think that yeah, there is something to be said for maybe presenting in a queer way or as as a lesbian or whatever in for certain very stereotypical kind of I don't know the way you cut your hair the kind of the style of clothes you wear whatever else Mm. because it might in a way also relieve you of the pressure sure of having to necessarily like vocally come out to people it can just be implied and I mean now that you, it's funny that you're touching on that because actually one of the things that I've always 
always since I was a kid, uh, and I'm talking nine onwards, I had this thing that I, I looked very androgynous. Uh, and especially, I mean, right, right now, maybe not so much because... Yeah, I, I, I cut in <laughs> a while. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, I look quite androgynous, and uh, but I've had that since I was a kid. So I think I always had that slippery floor where people would address me as a boy. And then they would realize that I was a girl and they were like, oh, so she's a girl. But it was, I don't know, it was... Um, I think that was accented by the way I dressed. But I, again, in a culture like Mexico, um, they, they'd rather don't go into questioning your gender or, or your sexuality. They just assume that, oh, it's just a kid and it's going to outgrow it or something like that. It's a phase. Uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, whereas here, like, and, and you know what, actually, I, I forgot to mention, one of the things that I, that I like about the culture that we have now is that now we have all... You know, we have opened to a spectrum of uh, gender and sexuality. And um, one of the things that I found that I wish it was different at my time when I came out is that I I had to pick a box. You either were in a heterosexual box or a gay box. You couldn't just get out of a box without picking another. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why I was like, well, I go, okay, I'm going to the lesbian box. <laughs> but if like now with culture, with the, the way the culture works now and that we're more open, I would have probably gone more for the queer and identify more as queer, definitely androgynous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, very clearly all of this is a spectrum, which is why I would also very much disagree with the kind of very stiff categories and, and boxes. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's exactly the same for me that I don't feel entirely comfortable with identifying as a lesbian. Yeah. yeah. Nor do I feel comfortable with bisexual just because I've been with men. You know, I do actually feel much more attracted to women. And, you know, now having explored that, I don't really feel any urgency to ever go go back, back. back by the way i'm doing air quotes yeah to, to men really that's not really on my radar any anymore on the other hand i can't discount the experience that i've had that i have been in relationships and in love with men sure. before yeah you cannot pretend that they didn't exist yeah and i'm not going to pretend that didn't happen and that it wasn't real yeah um so even I alone looked the one dude that I did fall in love with. <laughs> yeah. So you know, obviously, yeah, fluidity, spectrum, all of those things. And I think that's why for me as well, I think the, the, the queer label is the one that I find most suitable. Relatable. Yeah. Relatable because it can just encompass all of those things. Yeah. What about how has it worked for for work? For you, as in, like, do you think, actually, one of the, especially you're in a bit more of a corporate kind of sector. Yeah. And, you know, we have this sort of cliche of people from the community are more career driven because apparently we don't care about having a family. Um, you're specifically talking about, like, lesbians also, well, I guess, also game, gay game men. men. As well. But I think there is a thing, I mean, don't quote me on this, but I knew there was some sort of study done is particularly, you know, pointing out that lesbians do incredibly well um oh no she's pulling a face <laughs> I was, no i was just gonna throw in a joke and sex wise but <laughs> <laughs> okay i mean yeah throw that in there fine but you know precisely i guess because you know they 
the notion is that they will be less likely to have a family or, you know, have babies, be pregnant, have that time out. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, although obviously that's not necessarily true, but work, how yeah. do you come out at work? Again, bit of a non-event. Um, <laughs> you wanted a party or what? <laughs> <laughs> no, as in coming out wasn't really, it wasn't an event. Like it, I just, when I started the company, I was still with guys and then at some point i kind of switch sides i suppose no at some point you evaluate your options and <laughs> decided to correct your ways and, yeah <laughs> fair enough yeah um so i just do what i actually really wanted to do and i just you know i just randomly whenever it came up i didn't go out of my way to, to hide come it. out like how no, right. nor, nor, nor like neither to hide it nor to come out right I think I was still quite, although I had some selected good friends at work who would know about this because they were actually my friends on top of being my colleagues. I think with everyone else, I did very much keep my personal life to myself. And mm-hmm. to an extent, I suppose still do. I'm not I'm not one of those people at work that just like, you know, talk, constantly talks about, yeah. you know, yeah, sure. like my actual personal business. Um <laughs> So I do keep it fairly professional, I suppose. So there was not like an immediate need to really come out with that information. But at the same time, when it came up in conversation, then I think it was pretty much exactly the same as with my family, I suppose, that at some point, you know, my partner was, and I I do make a point of saying partner rather than boyfriend or girlfriend, Mm -hmm. because I I like the fact that that's a more... um, genderless right well it's a genderless term so i always opted for that but at some point you do need to use pronouns so i yeah again kind of use the kind of she her pronoun and then yeah i mean no one blinked an eye uh it was just not a thing like it was whatever like no one really cared and that's and that's great that's the way it should be sure i think only again the same story only through really in that way kind of coming out at work it was this domino effect of then realizing i'm not alone like there are actually plenty of other people in the company that yeah also are you know part Part of the the lgbtq community and and that's and again that's the nice thing yeah about just coming out and being yourself and being open about it Um, yeah my company is not corporate enough, of course. Also, then there's the, the flip side of, like, really big corporate companies sure. where, you know, they have actual, like... It's all right. Now they book themselves as lots on the gay pride. Yeah, exactly. They have actual, like, <laughs> you know, communities within the the corporate companies that, you know, networks, let's say. They usually yeah. called networks, aren't they? Which I understand. We don't have that. Yeah, but. sure. Which, I don't know. By the way, what do you think about that? What What is your opinion about all these corporate companies kind of now buying themselves spaces in, in Pride? I don't like it. <laughs> um, I understand why people don't like it. I honestly do, because it's supposed to be more uh, an activist movement rather than a promotion yeah. movement. However, you know, behind doors, and that's, I think, the problem. We don't get to see it behind doors, and I only know it from a close friend who kind of belongs to one of those essentially LGBTQ committees for her company, um, they are doing work behind doors. Yes. I think like they are definitely 
pushing for regulation of even just like we we had it uh, earlier where you saw me filling in an application for a job and it says MX. Yeah. And uh, that I'm pretty sure that that MX was put there because someone argued with their human resources saying you you could have an option for those who don't want to put MS or MRS. Oh, MS, yes, exactly. Uh, so they are doing, you know, uh, a lot of work that we might not see. Absolutely. And again, their pure existence is already extremely exactly. helpful because if you come into that company as a gay person, as a lesbian person, as a queer person, you know that company is ex- not only accepting of that, but, you know, it's, it's okay to be yourself. It just indicates that it's okay to be yourself. Yeah. Um, so, again, in my company, because we don't have that, I only learned about those people being gay more or less because you know they kind of confided in me on a personal level yeah more like in the and chat in the kitchen area or like on a private email rather than actually having a committee like specialized into yeah. okay let's embrace these people and just create more visibility essentially yeah 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 so i do think yeah visibility is the right word actually i do think that is just it is actually i've come to realize how crucial that is and so in that sense yes i'm absolutely not saying that it's bad for corporations or larger companies to have that going on i think it's brilliant i think it's really important what i oppose is using that <laughs> yeah to, to promote their brand promote essentially your brand exactly and particularly also companies that then i mean we had it with um that airline was it british airways or was it no i think it was virgin atlantic it was one of the airlines and it's you know they are sponsoring pride i think it was brighton pride Mm -hmm. specifically while at this and putting their name out there it's like oh we're so lgbtqi friendly and then at the same time, they are okay with migrants being deported, like asylum seekers being deported on their flights back to countries where they will be persecuted yeah. because of their sexual orientation. Yeah. And then doing not, nothing about that. Can they do something about it, though? I'm not saying it's right, and of course, if they in the if if, yes, if it can. is in the power to refuse the, to fly them, yes. they should totally do it and because that's exactly that's, that's the way that's the way that you really support the community. Uh, however, I don't know the power that government has over them. As in, like, no, you cannot refuse. We're telling you, you have to fly them. No, I mean they're their own company. They can decide to to not have them on their plane they can boycott this they can make a political stance and boycott uh, well then from, yes it's bullshit if you if you're gonna support the community and if you're gonna especially use the community in your favor yeah i mean you have to support it all the way and not just you know one day uh, in a parade in central london yeah and you might, again, and you might be, you know, part of the parade and then waving the gay flag and great on that one day. But in reality, you have a lot of policy, internal policies still that do disadvantage um, and discriminate against people of certain sexual orientations. Yeah. Um, and that's not OK. And unfortunately, that is very widespread. And that's why I, I oppose to pride being, you know, such a. Yeah, because it, it, then it's just more like a smokescreen, right? Yeah. Rather than actually being the progressive company you're saying you are exactly um and i do think we have unfortunately in london lost that sense that really the pride parade is meant to be 
you know, you said activist or, or you know, protest. You know, it's great to party, it's great to celebrate, but at the same time, we can't forget that it is still a protest and there is still a struggle and we haven't... No, we're not done with we, it. We, we're not, it's not perfect yet. Yeah. Far from... Yeah. By the way, I still want to value the, the fact that, you know, half or at least a quarter of the battle was won for us. And and I, I think that's what we're forgetting. Like we already from our generation onwards, the battle has been a little bit easier that they had it, you know, like back in the 60s when it, when it all started. This uh, is what I find really encouraging that I think we're looking at the younger generation, how they deal with gender and with sexual orientation. And it's it seems to be again in a way such a non-topic it seems to be so much more uh, not, even, not even tolerated accepted it's it's just it's just normal it's normal like normalized not everywhere yeah i mean you shouldn't go into twitter <laughs> okay <laughs> no honestly i yeah you should never open an account on twitter twitter is like the place where you break your dreams Mm. <laughs> like when, whenever you okay. had the, the idea of uh, yes yeah, society is progressing just go to twitter and you'll be like oh yeah. no it's so not okay well maybe that's just a sense i get from a very small part of society but at least in that small part of society there is the feeling that you know yeah. the next generation the yeah. generations below us are I mean, have again progressed a big step. For sure, there is more openness to it. And again, I do think it is all about exposure because sure. kids will also just, you can, because I mean, this is the other thing, right? You can educate your kids in whatever progressive, wonderful, liberal way that you want, and you can give them very kind of non gendered toys and give the. You know, girls and some we are we are in a gender world, but as soon as they go to school and then they see you know all the other girls at school playing with Barbies or whatever or wear their dresses and whatever else, they might want to do that too, just because they want to go with the crowd, and that's just how it works. So it's yeah, unfortunately, it's it's (laughs) bigger battle to let's not even start about a conversation about Barbie and Ken (laughs) and their genderless middle bit. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe just as a sort of one of the last questions, is there anything else that you've experienced as a queer person that's been either really positive or that's been a kind of negative experience in whatever context be a work context a personal context uh anything where they've been kind of some stumbling blocks or i think just um i think the most positive bit that i find about it is that there's a really good community Although there's still room for improvement, I think I mentioned it before, that it's really awful to see, for example, lesbians uh, fighting against transgender people because in their head they're not women or men. Uh, I think that sort of division is awful because you would expect that that someone from the community understands what it means not to be allowed to express who you are. But other than that, I think I love feeling that I belong to a community and... And that we're good at claiming or reclaiming, actually, our uniqueness. Uh, the fact that the term queer was actually meant as an insult, uh, it 
when this movement started. You are very good at that. And, and yeah. now, you know, th- this is the very thing that I'm saying that I'm embracing because I'm queer. I just love the way that we're so good at reclaiming anything that people have thrown at us or society have thrown at us as insults. We just take it and we embrace it and we make it better. And with that, we make we, it our own. And with that, we educate people. Yeah. We make it our own and we spin around yeah. and tie it on its head I, and use it to empower ourselves. By far, that is my best experience of being part of this community. Mm. What about you? I think something that struck me when I did start going out with women was that here, I think... <laughs> no, I'm not I thinking mean, about anything <laughs> sexual. Clearly you are. <laughs> but fair enough. I mean, you had been dating only guys. Of course he was going to struck you as a surprise. No, I wasn't. I didn't even say surprise. Actually, oh, what struck me was because I think I've never, I have never hesitated showing kind of physical affection. Yeah, even in sort of more public spaces, or sometimes maybe a bit oblivious to it. But also, I just, I just don't want to care about that. I don't want to yeah. have to pay attention to that I want to be able to hold your hand out on the streets I want to be able to kiss you like it's so I don't I don't pay attention to that at all and I've always been very very free with that and I think in England I've not had many issues with that at all there have been a few occasions I guess where people on the streets might have made stupid comments Mm. I mean we had 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 an issue in um not an issue. We had a bit of a experience in the New Forest. Yes. So again, if you go out, so this was exactly the point I was going to make. I think we are actually in such a privileged situation yeah. here that we don't consider this. We don't notice it. We just go about our daily lives. But when I move, when I'm away from London, when I am elsewhere, be it even just the English countryside where we were made to feel very uncomfortable in a countryside pub in New Forest, which is a notoriously Tory stronghold, you know, very conservative area. (laughs) But, you know, there's that. Or I had it, you know, in Italy, for example, as well, where suddenly, because I I, I just wasn't aware of it, and and suddenly I'm getting all these looks, and suddenly it's like, oh, oh, everyone's looking. And even I had to think about it for a minute like why what am i doing wrong staring and looking am i insulting someone yeah and that really that's when it hits you that's when you really realize as you know you us as in because we are in this kind of bit of a privileged bubble here i think in london yeah um or brighton that it's not really that yeah exactly which is both good and bad it's kind of nice to to know that where you live you're being accepted but it's so sad to know that you know a couple of kilometers outside your bubble you you don't have that same recognition and that's just plain wrong and that's unfortunately that's the battle that we need to fight but i I do want to emphasize that we have to fight that battle because other people fought it for us. We wouldn't be in this privileged position if the riots, for example, in 1969 wouldn't have happened. Like, we we have to fight this battle. It's not for us to just comfortably sit at home and complain that society is not acknowledging us. 
Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Which is why as well, I'm quite adamant because this was one of the things for me, traveling is quite an important thing. I like to travel, I like to see the world. And again, this was something I never even had to consider if I'm planning to go to other countries. <laughs> Would I be in jail or go, fucking stoned to dead because the, I'm gay? So the only thing I had to consider previous was, okay, I'm a woman. Maybe then I was still in my 20s. I'm like, I'm a young woman do i really want to be traveling alone as a young woman you know very european looking you know that might become an issue in certain places that was the only thing that might have stopped me from potentially going to particular countries and now was this whole other level of oh especially if i want to go if i mean maybe if i'm not particularly kind of queer gay represent like presenting Mm. in terms of my looks then if I'm traveling alone, maybe fine. But, you know, if, if I'm to travel together with my partner, <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. It, it can become an issue. And then I do have to watch out for, and I mean, we've, we've, we have also had this, you know, do I don't want to be holding your hand right now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, I find that severely frustrating. Yeah. Which again, we understand that that is actually the, the least of worries for a lot of people. Uh, but you know now oh, there's so much worse of course yeah, of i mean course, i could be yeah. fearing for my life of course this is all relative again i'm just talking about my personal experience struggles and yeah. experiences and i know there's others that go way beyond this well actually funny enough now that you mentioned the whole uh traveling it made me think of actually a few times that i've gone back to mexico whether I was with someone or single, I, I, I mentioned before i look very androgynous and one of the things that i've always uh, had to kind of battle with a little bit was like with people addressing me as a as a male so one of the things that I kind of learned to do when I was going back to Mexico was to dye my hair in a crazy color just so that um, my androgynous look would be justified a little bit more so that just a punk yeah no (laughs) honestly like yeah so it's just like oh it's just a crazy teenager it's just a crazy you know out there person instead of like oh it's a lesbian or a guy or some something that is trying to pretend something else to be something else i mean the hipsters are totally stealing our style right nowadays you don't know hipster or lesbian motherfuckers Mm. get your own fucking style (laughs) (laughs) um i think we've gone for quite a long time now uh i'm sure a lot of our listeners are thinking oh i know that this is exactly what i go through every day uh, hopefully some are thinking like, oh shit, I never considered that. And of course we know, again, we know that this is coming from such a privileged position where we do get to be who we want to be. And uh, for the most part, we don't get uh, repercussions for doing so. Yeah. Um, but we do want to hear more people. Uh, we know that obviously the way Anna and I have experienced or queerness is different to someone that maybe comes from uh, a black background or someone who comes from a Muslim background or from an uh, Asian background. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that the, the cultural differences impact in the way you experience your sexuality and your gender. Even the same culture that I come from, I'm pretty sure that my experience would be different to a transgender person or a gay man. Absolutely. If you're different to the standards of your culture, we would like to hear those stories and have a conversation with you. Indeed. Uh, Anything else you want to add? 
No, I mean, I think you said you were going to put together a list. I think that's yeah, a good idea. Sorry, we should. I, I already it. thought of a few, a few things as we were chatting. Actually, a few kind of charities and projects that are relevant to what we were saying. Good. Well, happy uh, Pride Month. I know we're actually at the end of it. I know that we kind of joined those celebrations uh, slightly towards the end of it, um, but. At you know, we wanted to voice the Black Lives Matter movement, which is we're still not done with, and we needed to to keep that uh, movement going. Absolutely. But anyway, we'll just extend it. It's my birthday, uh, so I just uh, whatever I'll extend the whole of July to celebrate being part of the LGBTQ plus community. Right. So let's do our social media. Yes, so please. people can get in touch. Uh, the email address is isolationboothpod at gmail.com and the Instagram account isolationboothpod and the Twitter account at isolationbooth and our Facebook page the Isolation Booth Pod. No, actually, just the Isolation Booth. Uh, right, we've been going for way long, way too long. Uh, wash your hands. Happy Pride Isolation. Bye. Bye. Spent so much time with you before It's like we've lost the key to the front door We'll be here until the end Oh to God we can still be friends Best try our best to protect and survive Buying bulk will really help keep us alive Not likely that by my summation Settling cause we're in isolation Isolation Boom